Alright, welcome back. This week, we are going to be finishing our live-action anime trilogy by diving into ugly live-action anime, discussing the themes of a boy discovering his fetish for vore, and another one finding his passion for body modification. We have Attack on Titan Part 1 and Parasite Part 1. Have you been reading my diary? <laughs> <laughs> As always, we will be talking, discussing, and giving final thoughts on these films, and there will be heavy spoilers for both. So if you don't want these films spoiled for you, please watch them first before continuing. Now that the spoiler warning is done, grab a snack, pour a drink, and get comfy for today's episode of Fruit Bowl Weekly. Fruit Bowl Weekly and a can of Coke. I'm Ramra, joined again by Kitchen. Hi there. And I think it's best that we start off by diving into Attack on Titan Part 1, or the abomination that it is. Attack on Fugly, am I right? Oh my god, you are. You are yeah. indeed right. I mean, my fucking god. Like, this <laughs> should have just been the third tag-on to the bad live-action stuff that we did last week, but... It's so bad. So if you don't know Attack on Titan, it's just basically a world in which everybody gets sort of walled off because these these giant sort of creatures known as Titans that go around eating people. Um, and one day there's like a special Titan that appears and starts wrecking shit up. And it's all about the Survey Corps and how they uh, basically fly around, chop the napes of necks off of Titans and kill them. Like that is... Honestly, the basic gist of Attack on Titan if you watch this film. The introduction to the world, I think, is actually in a way better than the source material. Just because you get to see, like, a little bit more of what actually goes on. So you start to see, like, more of the vehicles. Like, you get to see the jobs that people do. Fucking Armin is actually an inventor instead of just being the one boy that reads the books. Mikasa is just your stereotypical generic female character. Oh, she's worse. Like, I didn't think you could get her to be any bland or one note, but <laughs> they they literally made her worse. Yeah, the complete reversal of what what they did to Armin. They also somehow managed to make fucking Eren worse as well. Yeah, like big old crybaby. And he's just, he's, he's crying more when he's not trying to set off fucking nuclear ocean bombs. <laughs> like, like you, you fucking get introduced to Eren, stood on this, what I at first thought was just a rock. I didn't know it was like a fucking nuclear missile because they zoom in on it. But you have him standing on it, being introduced by a fucking hawk just screaming in the air. I'm like, alright. If you're not watching this film and you don't know who Eren is, he doesn't deserve a fucking Hark introduction. Come on now. No, not at all. They show off a lot of World War era technology. They show off yeah. bombs. There's even a helicopter on the starting wall. Yeah, just slammed right in there. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't have even been there. And we find out that their technology is very similar to that time period, barring yeah. the, the obvious omnidirectional movement gear. It sort of sets the scene for a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. Which is refreshing, really. I kind of liked that. Yeah, because they're even like, you know, you can't take the helicopter away because it's like old technology, which is like cursed or forbidden or something. And like they find the bomb and it has a, well, I say find, fucking Aaron's <laughs> just jumping on it like a fucking 
He's a lunatic. He is. Like, he could have just, just fucking blown everyone up. The bomb has a literal bombshell pin-up lady on it. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> but, of course, they don't notice the lady, though. They're just like, oh, there's an ocean on here that's like a billion times bigger than the tiny lake we have. Yeah, it's the big water. <laughs> the big water just start, at this point, devolving into caveman language or something. <laughs> Oh, like, the big, big water exists bigger than our small, small water. Come on now. Just say an ocean. At least Armin should know that it's just an ocean. I think they do mention something like an ocean or a sea that they've heard of in legend, in stories past. But it's just... Like, the introduction to this actually sets it up to be good. However, the minute they get off of the bomb, like, Eren stands close to, like, the sheer cliff face that they're on. And you see the very obvious green screen effect that they have of the giant wall that they've made and sort of like the mountain range in the background. That could have been done a little better. That's something that just immediately came out at me. I was like, that's just clearly a fake backdrop they made. There seems to be a lot of obvious green screenery going on in this movie. Or the backdrops are so blurred, you can't really tell what they are. They're just sort of grey. Yeah. Just I just remembered about the, the bird you mentioned. Maybe that's a reference to the future where Eren become wants to become free like a bird and flies using the directional movement gear. Oh yeah. But yeah. <laughs> he still doesn't deserve it. That's too cool for him. At that point I expected like, you know, the hawk to happen and then when it zoomed out, like the, the survey core flag composed behind him as he's like standing on this bomb like one of the things is is that he obviously joins the survey corps a little later on but the first governmental figures that we see he just immediately kicks the shit out of and starts going like oh you know i don't want to join them all they do is just stand there and look pretty or some garbage like that yeah he's a scrappy little bastard and for starters you know three to four grown men attacking what is, I assume, like, maybe 13 or 14 is supposed to be, maybe a little younger than that. I assumed 15, 16, but you can never really tell with Japan. Their casting choices aren't the most appropriate. But the fucking... Eren's just apparently the greatest martial artist that's (laughs) ever lived, because he just starts, like, he knee-drops someone as his opening move, so he just, like, immediately knees their face in and they collapse, and I'm like, all right, you know what? At this point, I thought Eren was just going to be the biggest badass throughout the entire film, but that slowly drops off real quick. It does. Fans of the show may argue, though, that the reason Eren could take out multiple military-trained adults would be because he's channeling a titan's power in human form, but that's never really shown or told about. Maybe the second part will touch on it. Yeah. I, I just reckon they just wanted to try and make him seem as badass as possible. Yeah, it came off as a bit ludicrous. <laughs> it really did. But I think, you know, if we're going to be talking about this, we may as well just talk about the Titans. Yeah. Let's just get that bombshell out the way. I think all but one Titan, one very specific one, all of them just kind of look bad or horrendous or just ugly looking and not in the way that they want. I really liked two titans with two honourable mentions. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) But you go first, you've got fewer. So, just to start off with, like, the titans at first I thought were a mix of green screen makeup and CGI with it 
being very little makeup, but it turns out, no, it's just mainly a mix of green screen effects with some superimposed stuff and makeup. It's just a load of old people painted. It's it's just a lot of old people painted. And I don't know if that's a discredit that the people looked so fake that I thought they were CGI. But the only... Because we get the introduction of the Colossal Titan, which I'm not going to lie, does in terms of a CGI creature, it does look good. It's just, I think it looks bad because they have this like permanent steam slash smoke effect on, which I think that might be canonical to the character. It's just I think that the steam effect looks like trash. It's too dark. Looks like smoke. And it's also just the fact that all the Titans in this, bar the one that I'm about to mention, look way too, like, bumpy. And, like, they've got ridges where they shouldn't have ridges. It's like the way they decided to make most of the Titans was let's just stick, like, random small growths on them. (laughs) And it's just, it looks really weird because compared to the original material, a lot of them do just kind of look smooth, big-bodied people. And that's really it. Like, apart from, like, deformed faces and maybe the few, like, deformed leg or arm here or there, their actual bodies just differ in shape, but they're not, like, weirdly bumpy or rigid. Mm. And that just really put me off. Yeah, there, there are some strange-looking ones in the show, which are reflected in the movie very poorly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Titans themselves, even if there are female versions, are mostly masculine-looking or androgynous. Yeah. But the the Titans in this movie, because they are just painted people, fail to hide a lot of that detail. <laughs> and I think yeah. the CGI they sort of used to cover up some problems yeah. only work to make them look more ugly as a result. I, it's, it's so weird. And I think it's just... I can't put it into words well, but it's just, to me, they never looked like one they fitted in the world. And comparing them to the other material, they just looked wrong. (laughs) Bar the natural baby Titan, which I don't actually know if that is canonical or not, but it feels like it's made up. Because I don't remember seeing it in, like, season one of the show or anything like that. I don't remember it either. But that is, like, a pure CGI, like, baby Titan that actually acts like a baby. So it's, like, eating this person, but it then, like, falls from, like the second story of this, like, ruin, (laughs) and then it starts crying and kicking up a force, but you can see splotches where, like, its skin must be tearing due to growing or something. It looks like it's just full of, like, open skin wounds. And then the minute it starts crying, its face splits open just for it to scream out loud. And honestly, best effect, in my opinion. Best Titan and probably the best effect in this entire film. I actually kind of love that scene. Of the pure Titans, the baby is definitely one of my favourites, I think. Yeah. It's so well done. It's pure CG, and yet it's some of the best CG. Maybe because the scene's dark. Yeah. But it's the best CG Titan in the movie. Barring my most favourite, which is the Colossal Titan, which you didn't seem to like that much. I didn't. The reason why I thought it was an amazing Titan is because it felt like all the CGI budget went into this one singular Titan at the beginning. Oh, okay. Barring the fact that it's double the size of the canonical one, it's massive. Even with the smoke impairing, you know, what you can see, I still think it looked amazing. And they probably did that to try and drag people in at the beginning and think the cgi is gonna be great yeah it's not it's awful it's really bad we know japanese movies japanese hollywood doesn't have the budget of hollywood hollywood 
But when there's such a clear divide between not only the quality of the CGI, but the CGI and the actual camera work and the real people, it's, it's make, it makes for an awful looking movie. It just clashes so much. And that becomes so obvious once you get to the parts where they so-called use their movement gear. Because the minute they start using their movement gear, you can clearly see that it's like almost kind of like the Hobbit film in a way. Because in that, they did some camera work to make it seem like, you know, Gandalf was huge and the Hobbits were actually extremely small. But when they started using their movement gear, it's clearly a terrible green screen that's just got like a rolling bit of footage on the back. Then this person who's just a regular guy. And then they fly <laughs> around doing whack moves and shit just to cut off the nape of the neck in a terrible, like, flying piece of skin blood splurge effect, which looks <laughs> and happens every fucking time they do it. And you can clearly see them when they're using their manoeuvre gear, sort of on ropes or laying on a green box. Yeah. You can tell that they're just doing that. It doesn't match up with the movement of the, the green screen in the background at all. No. And then, obviously, we get the fucking kaiju battle right at the end. I like that kaiju battle, honestly. It's clearly some guy who's either painted or wearing, like, an Eren Titan suit. Mm. But it it actually kind of looks really good. It's just such a shame that the actual fight itself is lackluster, if not just kind of meh. Yeah, during that scene, there are a lot of really, like, floppy-looking people that don't really add anything to the fight. Yeah. There are also multiple sudden cuts to Eren's face screaming. <laughs> a few more than yeah. are necessary. Yeah. There's also this one really weird cut that zooms in for no reason. Yeah. Um, I forget exactly what he's doing at the time, but it's, like, destroying something, and there are rocks in the background and, and in the foreground. And usually in a movie, what you would do is you would have one of these rocks or CGI rocks cover the camera lens. Then you would zoom in as the rock vanishes off the screen. You would transition using that. Yeah. But in this movie, they don't do that at all. They just have rocks flying past the camera, then a sudden jarring instant cut to a slightly more zoomed in portion of that same camera angle. Yeah. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. <laughs> It ruined what I thought was a cool fight with a weird... And it did have a few n nicks here and there. Yeah. But <laughs> it just ruined it. Just fucking unnecessary camera zooms into unnecessary garbage. Yeah. I honestly can't remember if they showed that before or after the fight. All I can remember is that. <laughs> that is all what was on my mind. So if I watched the fight beforehand, then that happened. I, it, it took me completely out of it. I... I lost what little immersion I had in that scene. Yeah. And if it happened beforehand, it was so powerfully jarring to my mind that I couldn't fully take in the that fight. All you could think of was rock throughout the entire fight. <laughs> oh, I know he's kicking the shit out of these titans, but that rock, man. Whew. No. <laughs> it's, I don't know why it got me. It got me. <laughs> the thing that I found really weird is just how human the titans ended up sounding. Yeah. Because I know for a fact that they make, you know, groans and like weird noises and shit in the show but it's like the minute Eren starts to transform inside that one titan and it looks like he's fucking spitting up porridge or something <laughs> yeah. and it's like fucking covering his mouth and it's just like oh i've gotta get the big diarrhea i gotta get it out my warm 
It's just fucking crying. It's, and it's just, it's covering his mouth. His belly's just slightly bulging. He's like, I've got to go pull real bad. <laughs> and then just fucking a hand comes out to tear his face off. But then there's just an explosion. So I even have the, have I, uh, uh, no. Dynamic entrance. Oh, don't fucking, <laughs> no. Don't you dynamic entrance in this film. Don't you fucking dare attack on Titan Stalp. But I mentioned my uh, two honourable mentions. Yeah. And it kind of ties back to them looking human, but not quite. There was one Titan at the very beginning after the war was destroyed, who's point man of this Titan army. And he's got some weird slug face. <laughs> his eyes are like a mile apart. He's fucking almost reaching his five head that he's got just right near the hairline. He's <laughs> like, I can see the sky and that is all I can see. And he, he keeps appearing. He keeps like peeking over things. He's like, <laughs> looks like a creeper. <laughs> just looking in. Oh my God. During this same scene, once they all start charging, it shows some of the other titans that may be smaller or more abnormal than the others. Yeah. And there's this one titan, which I do remember from the, the show, who has like this oversized head. He's a dwarf titan, which is still taller than a normal human, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. But he's got this massive Moai head. Yeah. And he's just running around, like, just screaming cattle, cattle. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just fucking jumps over the fence. <laughs> Oh, that's why they that's why they didn't want to send him in first. Could you imagine? The wall gets knocked down and then the first thing you get is this fucking big headed Moe Titan or something, Maui head, just fucking coming in, falling over a rock. That would have been the fucking <laughs> best shit I've ever seen. That would have made the film. Ten out of ten. I just wanna see Titans come in, fall over each other, and then go home, sad and upset. But fucking this whole film just emanates either bad or weird. Because the pacing is astonishing. There's this whole bit where Mikasa and Eren clearly like fancy each other or love each other at the beginning. But it's the scene where they go into like this wooden shed or this church or something. And we've already seen Titans going through fucking stone like it's paper. So I don't know how they expected that to help. Yeah. And then, you know... Erin gets knocked on the floor, he looks up, Mikasa's gone, she was holding this baby, that's gone, there's a pool of blood on the ground, they're probably dead. He walks down this destroyed street, keep in mind in a scene earlier we've just seen him talk shit on government, or on the like government army or whatever, and then after he's walking down this street, just smash cuts, he's finished his initiation, he's a part of the survey corps. Yeah baby, let's fucking do it. And then it smash cuts to them just leaving for their first mission and you get some characters being like, you know, you've got to keep our lineage alive or let me see my baby girl one last time. And it's like, stop, slow down, slow down. I know you're giving me fodder, film. I know you're giving me people to kill off, but stop, slow down. That weird fence introduction scene didn't capture me at all. No. The only thing that I really cared about was when the little girl gave Armin the doll. Oh, yeah. But the little girl was never going to be in any danger, we hope. And all the other characters, the parents are just greedy motherfuckers, or it was just some single mother who's trying to earn money for a kid, who reappears later. (laughs) Very, you know, prominent character, single mom, apparently. That's... Let's just credit her as that. I mean, she, I don't even remember her character's name, but she decides to basically be like a lonely predator for Erin. Yeah. <laughs> 
Both movies, actually. I just realised both movies feature a left titty grab. They both feature a, <laughs> a very prominent left titty grab. Yeah. Although this this one's further in the film now. At least the other one gets that shit out the way with real quick. Yeah. But it's like that scene where they're walking down the middle is just to establish one. The fact that Sasha is also, like, one of the... Like, Sasha and Armin are kind of the only two characters I like. No, sorry, three. There's fucking Sanagi, which I'll get to later. But Sasha and Armin are, like, genuinely well-acted. But other than that, the fence scene just establishes, like, the single mom, really, like, honestly. And she only comes back just to be a predator. Yeah. <laughs> And when you think about it that way, that is such a pointless scene. If it wasn't for our lord and saviour, cockblock titan-san, that that hoe... (laughs) Just fucking peeking in like, "Uh uh-uh, ain't nobody touching my errand, man. Not on my watch. (laughs) Not on my watch. He's in a vulnerable state right now, he can't be doing with it. It's like, I want my errand and Mikasa ship, you're not getting in the way. (laughs) And the fucking, to be fair, I do like the fact that when she does get dragged away, she like clunks her head on the concrete just before yeah. she goes out. I'm like, you know what, in a way, why not? Deserving. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Armin gives Sasha the potato, so the ship has sailed for Armin and potato grill. Fucking Mikasa comes back with Levi ripoff and apparently they're in a relationship, maybe? Where is Levi? You know, where's my denim daddy? Oh, well, he's been replaced with this uh, apple fruit loop instead. I hated him from the moment I saw him. The first ever words out of his mouth was something akin to any hot female titan chicks here. (laughs) Like, fuck off. (laughs) What sort of weird harsh dude are you where you want to kill those? Maybe he wants to be eaten by one. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, Vor is very prominent in this. For good reason, it fits. It fits. I mean, giant people eating little people. They do show it in a bit too much detail, if you ask me, and it's kind of awkward. Yeah, it, it is. But to be fair, I mean, there's some comedic timing with those titans. Like the way this one fucking person flying around gets squished into a wall, but the one titan's just like, mmm, lovely juice on this wall. Just starts licking the wall up. And <laughs> licky, like, licky. It's like nummy nummy num nums right there. Fucking <laughs> give me that squished body. It's like, oh, okay. Ooh, uh-oh. But yeah, he clearly has to be Levi though, because he does the clean thing. Not very well. He has the he has a cloth. That's all he needs. In this shitty apple seed, which we haven't talked about, he bites an apple, hands it to Mikasa while holding it inside his clean rag. When he next touches something that someone hands back to him, namely, I believe it's the apple again, he takes it in his normal hand with no cloth. <laughs> Why would you hold something in a cloth when you're giving them your item, but when they hand it back, you take it with your bare hand if you care about germs? And then he just ends up back-hugging her and feeding her the apple. <laughs> Physical contact. kind of weird. <laughs> As Aaron's walking away, just super upset, and you just get this scene of just them back hugging her slowly eating the apple it's like you can't do that while on quarantine that's too, you gotta st- <laughs> they share an apple in front of Aaron, and he has a breakdown he's <laughs> like that should be me sharing no! that apple oh, because i know and then that's where single ho 
mother steps in. Jumps in, that's right. And then they perv on two people having sex for a bit. Like, (laughs) the scene was really awkward. The apple scene was awkward enough. (laughs) But just watching these two people get laid, it just felt like forever. (laughs) With her asking, do you think she's going to ask him to marry her or something like that? And it's like, do you reckon they'll be married? It's like, I don't... Who are you? I hope you're okay with a single mother. It's like, I only took this job for child support, but now you can be the new daddy. It's like, whoa! (laughs) Uh, Putting the pressure on a bit strong there. But speaking of other good characters, though, and by other, I mean the only other good character apart from Sasha and Armin... Fucking suplex titan son, Sanagi himself. Sumo bro. Fucking arm bar in a titan after just screaming at him, waving his <laughs> arms at. It's like grabs him by the arm and picks him up. <laughs> Fucking. That's, that's where, the, where the hell was he? <laughs> when the wall got broken out, he could have just held back the colossal himself. <laughs> just fucking trips him up. That's right. The heavier, the bigger you are, the harder you fall, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> And he's shown later going like kamikaze on their ankles. (laughs) Fucking dual wield axes, max intimidation factor, martial arts supreme (laughs) overlord. Sanagi's got it fucking looking gay. I I will say though, I don't completely agree with you saying that's the only other good character. I do believe Science Girl was played very well. Oh, okay. She was super enjoyable to watch. Barring the fact they called her Hans in this, which is a male name. Yeah, it's supposed to be like Hange or Hang or something like that, right? Yeah, like Hange or Hange, yeah. yeah. But although she isn't supposed to be like the leader of this squad, I think she plays a good role as the scientist girl and she plays crazy just right. She does. She clearly has a thing for Titans. She, well, to be fair, that's another point to the acting for that because even in the source material, she kind of does as well. Oh, she yeah, she does. Massive Lady Boner for Titans. But fucking... It's just... The whole film, it's weird. It's bad weird. It's it's a mess. Fucking... Yeah. Like, you get this one army guy, uh, Soda, who's introduced at the beginning. He, like, knocks someone out for saying we don't have permission for gunpowder, but then comes back in the future just as a wasted drunk. Oh, yeah. Old Man Soda Pop. <laughs> Old Man Soda Pop literally just comes into, I guess play some sort of father figure well he yeah he knows about the whole titan human thing yeah because he's the one who calls out that Eren may get absorbed by the attack titan oh, okay. and that they must gently cut the nape and remove him from it otherwise he'll be absorbed yeah so he's sort of there as the old wise man who sort of knows too much and obviously is a drunk yeah as they tend to be <laughs> But yeah, he he plays literally no role through most of the movie except being a buffoon or a bumbling drunk until right at the end. And it's it's also just the fact that even if the Titans themselves wasn't ugly, we get like three areas. It's like if this was a game, it would be worth like two pound because you got three maps. Like you literally got the open field at the beginning, you got like the one hallway, and then you get random ruined city number one. Yeah, they show the they show the entire world map, as it were, with all the walls and all the sections. But the movie feels really closed off to anything else and doesn't feel like a world. It just feels like yeah. boxes. Did you notice the Wilhelm scream, by the way? Uh, I did not, but to be fair, I I think I miss Wilhelm screams in almost everything. At this point, <laughs> this one was subtle, I think. <laughs> okay. I think this was more subtle than Dragon Ball. Oh, uh, okay. 
But no, I did not notice. At this point, I'm just going to assume every scream is, unless I see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to assume uh, Wilhelm just plays every character that dies. Did you catch the scene when they were driving off in their like World War Two tanks? When they were approaching the ruins, and one of the tanks rolls over a doll, uh... and the entire tank shifts and bumps, as if they went over some like massive ramp. Oh my god, Lord! No. <laughs> like, it cuts into the tanks like rolling over and crushing this like old porcelain doll type thing, and then it instantly cuts into the tank, and the tank's like bobbling. Jesus Christ! Wow. <laughs> a, a doll moves a ten-ton tank. It, it looks like that was the way it shot. I will say. If there is one thing that I will give a plus, though, to this film just before we move on, is I think the actual props and the actual world itself are good-looking. We just don't get enough of that. Because there's, like, little machines that they have to create the sort of fuel source that they have that we see right at the beginning for, like, Armin's job. We see that Armin's an inventor and he creates, like, these, like, alarm clocks or siren things or he just loves inventing. We then see, like, you know, they have their own vehicles that look like they're kind of handmade from scraps that look quite nice. One of the biggest features is that they have these, like, really cool steampunk, very, like, unconventional and fucking huge as fuck. But they have these, like, full lamps or torches that they carry around that they, like, strap around their bodies and stuff like that. I think the actual props and world they've got is really good. It's just, they spend so much of it doing nothing (laughs) yeah you can thank the original attack on titan author for that he wanted the film to be different from the original source material intentionally to sort of have some more like creative input or allow creative juices to flow to the movie yeah so he purposefully and actively removed details from the movie that were similar or the same as the manga or anime Oh, okay which improved the world greatly, I think, yeah. but ruined most of the characters. Yeah. They got rid of fan favourites or merged them all into one weird mishmash arsehole. Pretty much. So you can you can thank him for both the good and bad points in the originality and the differences of the movie from the source material. It's almost not made for either fans or regular viewers of films. But moving gears slightly to a much better film in my opinion anyway, and something that follows the source material relatively well. We'll go on to Parasite Part 1. It's basically these alien sort of parasites come down to Earth and they hatch into, well, the parasites, and they slowly start to infect. I believe it's this one singular town or city, like it might just be Japan that they infect, maybe not the entire world. But as they infect people, they tend to, like, eat the brain and control the host that way and by doing so they gain the ability to like morph and grow limbs and create weapons and one guy manages to cut circulation off and only have the parasite infect his hand and it's basically about his journey of living in this newfound parasite world and like he gets into some battles and people fucking a lot of people die like oh boy and overall, it's just about him living in this new world That's you don't really know who or who is not a parasite because they are just basically infecting the people until they reveal themselves. Yep, and only Parasite, so far in part one, can tell 
another parasite is nearby. Yeah, using uh, like some sort of like brain wavelength thing, like almost like a hive mind or something. Almost, yeah. Yeah, they all have like a similar directive at birth to obtain a brain and survive. Um, but yeah, later on in the series, and hopefully in part two, humans do develop a method to detect parasites yeah. as they become more well-known. Like they create a semi-thing in this, but it's something that's very unconventional of the whole, you know, pulling the hair if it dances, they're one of them sort of thing. Yeah. But at the same time, who's going to go around just pulling on people's hair permanently forever? Yeah, that, that's reflective <laughs> of the source material, though. Which is yeah. a nice, a nice nod. The opening intro sequence where the dude eats his wife's head is not only ridiculous, but really matches the source material well. It does. And to be fair, that's where we get. Like, I think that might be the first time we actually get introduced to the CGI that's used in this film. Yeah. Because all I, I think it's almost impossible not to. Like, maybe in some cases, but. All of the parasite-related stuff in this is fully CGI'd. Yeah, no, no painted old people here. <laughs> <laughs> but the weird thing is, is that I kind of compared this to two films in my mind. So one of them is John Carpenter's The Thing, just because of the fact that it's a body horror-related film. It deals with a lot of like tentacle uh, shenanigans and that, and people sort of transforming and horrific things happening. But it also gave me themes of like the relatively new Venom film that came out a year or two ago. But in my opinion, this did the fight better. Because if you're coming into this expecting CGI creatures to fight, but it looks like a giant mess on screen, <laughs> then luckily enough for you, that's actually not the case. Like, it's actually relatively easy to follow how the CGI monsters fight each other. Because, like, with the... Venom film, there's a bit where the two symbiotes fight each other at the end. And one of the biggest criticisms that I have and a lot of other people have is that when they're fighting, it just looks like two ink blots punching each other. Like you don't know <laughs> where one part ends and the other part begins, and there's just a human in the middle. But in this, you have like these sort of tentacle swords and stuff that are being thrown about all over the place, and you can see when they clash and things are moving really fast, but you know, like when you hear the sound and when you see them pull back, that there's been a contact. And it's just, to me, it's a lot, it's a way better way of doing a CGI on CGI fight. Yeah, the Venom film is just a mess compared yeah. to this. But at the same time, although I did enjoy the CGI fighting, it was one that stood out more than the rest. Yeah. And that was when uh, Migi and our main were fighting Mr. A. Oh, in the alleyway. Yeah, in the dark alleyway. And for some reason, I felt the CGI was really lackluster there. And to me, quite honestly, it just looked like two octopi fighting with dildos. <laughs> if it wasn't for like the whip cracks and slashing sounds, if yeah. instead you replace those sounds with like... <laughs> Yeah, honestly, <laughs> it'll fit. Oh my god, that's it. There needs to be an edit of that now. Just, <laughs> just keep the same dialogue. Just do that that noise effect over the rest. Oh, I all I thought all the fight scenes were fairly well done, and I think maybe it's because they showed the interaction between the two parasites for an extended amount of time. Yeah. But that one for me stood out as the worst example out of all of them. Yeah. Exactly. 
Because one of the things that I think it does... So I went into this and I was a bit jarred at first because it does open up with this guy whose head like opens up like a flower and he gains like a bunch of eyeballs and stuff like that. And to be fair, that looked pretty cool. Like all the CGI effects in this look really cartoonish, which of course <laughs> contrasts with the real world that they live in. But... Honestly, it kind of fits with it, because if they didn't do it that way, a lot of the shit that the fucking parasites do would just make no sense if they looked any more realistic than they do now. Yeah. But it's like when he clamps down his flower head on, like, his wife's head, and it's got, like, this just elongated, almost, like, anteater-type face thing or whatever, and it's just like, it's... I was like, okay, you need to... Maybe make up your mind, because the bit before that looked great. <laughs> this looks kind of goofy. <laughs> oh, but honestly, it's the CGI just because you're with it for so long, from beginning to end, it just becomes a part of the film. So honestly, I kind of stopped treating it differently. Like it just became this is how it's gonna be, and it grows on you. It really does. Like when you first see. Uh, Miggy for the first time and he's fucking he's as this hand parasite and he's got like two mouths and three eyes or whatever the first time that happened I was like uh, do I do I like this but then as the film went on and you just get to see him transform almost permanently on this guy's hand it, it just works yeah like the CGI honestly it just works Miggy is adorable by the way yeah unlike the source material <laughs> they give him a standard normal pitch of voice instead of a slightly higher pitch yeah i don't think i prefer but i can get used to it's not an issue okay but his character has changed slightly as well where he is a little less cold and emotes a bit more oh okay yeah because he did seem kind of like a almost pushover in a sense just because even though he's the one that can transform into all these deadly weapons and shit he still does what his host says which I guess in a way makes sense, because if his host dies, he dies, but that also contradicts itself towards the end, so I don't I don't know why. Yeah, even the threat Migi gives the main character felt too light. It felt it paled in comparison to the the same level as the source material. Yeah. Not only that, but I, in the source material, the main character doesn't really want to tell Migi that he wants to hunt down all the other parasites immediately. Oh, okay. Because the whole point of Migi is to survive. And he doesn't really want to put the host in any more danger than he needs to be. Yeah. Um. So it, it holds off. But in in the movie, just straight up tells him, I'm going to hunt more down. And then they go on some weird killing spree. That's right. Shockingly, uh, the main character in this is way more Eren than Eren was. Very true. It's just instead of saying, I'm going to kill all the Titans, it's I'm going to kill all the Parasites instead. Much better actor as well. Oh, to be fair, this is just the way better acted film out of them both. Yeah. Like, they, like granted, both films have a shitty, very badly done crying scene, but the one in Attack on Titan just... It's, it just sounded like the director said, stand there and make our noise. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas in this one, he at least sounds like a dying goat, which is sad yeah. in a sense. So It's a really bad dying goat as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still yeah. better than Attack on Titan. The scene right before that, when he's confronting his mother, who is now a parasite, and he goes a little bit doolally, not wanting to believe what's just happened. Yeah. The acting was amazing. It was really good. It was so 
good. And then he just breaks down and has a weird goat fit. <laughs> it's just like, he's, you know, it's like he's telling like Miggy to fuck off. And he's like, you know, that's my mom and she's fine. Look, t- tell him you're fine. I'm sorry I didn't tell you the hand thing. I don't want to burden you with it. Then followed with, <laughs> and it's like, mm. No. Between those scenes as well, when he got his uh, heart stabbed through and Miggy, Miggy separates from the arm to go inside the hole and seal the heart. Yeah. He's never shown in the movie previously being able to be removed from the arm or wrist himself. No. Where in the original he was. So watching the movie kind of didn't make sense saying, oh, you know, I'll die if yeah. I'm removed, you know, or if That's you it, die. Yeah. And then he willingly removes himself from the arm and survives. He is then later, and I, lo- I love this bit, in one of the fights near the end, when he's fighting the creeper parasite, Shimada, after he's had paint thinner oh, thrown on him. Yes. He, like, Miggy, <laughs> Miggy gets chopped off. And in, like, <laughs> an adorable way, like, scuttles his little butt back onto the wrist. <laughs> Just, like, hops he's, back he's on. Back on. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I think one of the things that I love is that even though like, Miggy's still a parasite. It's the fact that every other parasite treats him like such a misfit piece of shit. Yeah, he's a failure. <laughs> because he didn't get the brain. Yep. Like, I think the first two other parasites we meet, they go, oh, you didn't get to the brain. Pfft, what a fuck up. <laughs> and then we get to, like, the meat shop owner, and he's like, oh, you fucked up, Miggy. The brain's still there, you dingus. <laughs> And it's like, oh, Mickey, not it's okay. You can be the guy. It's fine. Oh, you know what? Since you fucked up, you could just become a part of me instead. And it's like, nah, bruh, you're all right. The meat scene, I think, was um, a new addition to the movie. And I welcomed yeah. it greatly. It's better than when he met the dude in just like some random park or something and asked Miggy to swap. Yeah. And it, it does sort of merge that scene with the flower head doggo scene. That becomes some sort of weird-ass bat creature. Yeah. Which I'm sort of sad to see. I would have liked to see some mutant parasite dog. Yeah, no. But the butcher shop, the meat shop scene was really well done and really highlighted the gore. Oh, yeah. Like, this meat shop owner's like, Oh, Miggy, you should just become a meat shop owner, bro. People just come in. You you could just chop them up. All the facilities are in fire. And then he's just there, like, you know, eating a leg nonchalantly like this. Ooh, being a butcher, creme de la creme of parasite jobs, my friend. Compared to literally every movie we've seen before this, I think Parasite probably has some of the best gore. I have to agree, because granted, there's a lot of viscera in Attack on Titan, but you'll learn real quickly that all of that shit, except for when it's just people dying off screen, is CGI blood. Yeah. Where in this one, it looks like they've actually gone and made proper prosthetics, like legs and arms and like body casts and stuff. And like there's the bit at the school where like a lot of these school girls end up dying because they, you know, plucked a boy's hair and you don't do that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Didn't seem pissed off. He was just disappointed. <laughs> he was disappointed. It's like, look, I'll give you permission to touch my hair. You don't just... You do not touch one hair on my pretty head. His reaction as well. I was being kind. Why did you do this? (laughs) Well, here I go killing. (laughs) Just remember, you did this to yourself. (laughs) It's like, oh. 
But fucking oh boy. the main character <laughs> the main character goes up the stairs and whole that hallway is there's a girl's head that's like cut in half, there's body parts that are smushed, there's legs and limbs and like just I think a single torso with nothing else attached to it there. There's blood all over the place. Like Mickey has to calm the main character down. It's like look ch- whoa, chill out. None of these are your main waifu, so you don't have to cry that much. And then he calms down. Yeah. He pretty yeah, he pretty much kinda of, like, oh okay. What waifu isn't there, so I don't have to be upset. Yeah, that is a scene from the source material, um, showing that now he's got Migi's cells in him, he's able to control his emotions and become more calm and cool. Much like Migi himself, who has little to no empathy. Yeah. And I think he eventually gained some, but not in the same way. No. It's probably the the whole symbiosis thing. They might do it more in the second part, but it's clear that after like jumping into the specific hole in his chest, yeah. he ends up like giving his stem cells to be able to repair the wound. But before being able to get all of his cells back in him, some just ended up going through like the circulatory system of the main character and now is part mutant boy, part hand mutant boy. And there are two problems, and I think this may have been because of pacing that really draws away and makes his character change seem very abrupt. Yeah. Where he goes from crybaby boy to edgelord monster slayer in, in an instant. Yeah. In the original, he sees a dead animal in the park while he's hanging out with his lady friend. Yeah. And he's sad. He gets really teary-eyed, he gets very sad, and he buries the creature. Because he, it sh- he's shown to be kind-hearted and caring and sh- has a lot of empathy for living creatures. Hmm. Sometime after that, once Migi has first implanted the cells in him and says a lot of them are so small I can't call them back, Yeah. the main character then questions Migi and says something along the lines of, if they can go through my blood and they're too small to recall, could they reach my brain? Hmm. And Migi responds saying something like, eh, maybe, but it's unlikely. And then we <laughs> yeah. show that it has altered his behaviour, so it has reached his brain. Yeah. Those two scenes, or similar scenes, are missing from the movie. It's a shame that they don't show more of the backstory of the main character's personality. Yeah. So the change doesn't feel as awkward as it does. Yeah, because there's definitely a immediate switch that happens. And I also feel like the more explanation of like the stem cells reaching the brain would have made the like inability to cry thing like i'm not sure if that was just him saying oh my heart's jaded now i can't cry or if it's just an effect of the stem cells that he actually can't produce tears anymore and that's the problem yeah it's it's just like the minute i saw that at the end like without that explanation in the film especially if you go into this without knowing anything about the like original source stuff it just seems like he comes off as just a prick yeah. Like, I just killed my mum for the first time because I already saw her basically get killed by this other guy. And I didn't cry twice, which is, you know, like the first time makes even less sense because I expected during his monologue to maybe produce tears, you know, being like, um, my mum's definitely been taken over by a parasite. Holy fuck, I'm never going to get it back, but I'm going to try this monologue thing. And that was before Migi put his stem cells in him. And he still didn't cry then. But he did have the weird breakdown when he saw his mother as a parasite. Yeah, that's true. But when he woke up, he still... I think, to be fair, I think that weird goat crying might have been his actor told to try to cry but fail. Oh, okay. (laughs) But it doesn't seem like that. (laughs) No, it doesn't. It just seems like, right, you've come to terms with the fact that you've been lying in your blood 
for two days. In his weird raspberry jam goo. I'm not gonna lie, I actually kind of like the fact that he had to pull himself off. It was good detail. It was, but it certainly does just feel like they went, shit, we should have had him crying during the original scene, let's just stick a bathroom scene in now so we get that emotional backdrop. And it's like, well, he didn't cry then, he didn't cry now, there's no explanation as to why he's such a prick. No. So... I guess he's just a jaded asshole. Yeah, and he just, like, freaking yeets a little dog in a bin. Just, like, just just tosses the little (laughs) fucker in the bin. (laughs) Oh, I laughed so hard. (laughs) I absolutely love the fact that he goes there, picks the dog up, right? Ends up going, like, oh, you know, like, it's dead. And he's, like, you know, his girlfriend's there, or the girl that, you know, really likes him or whatever. She's there like, oh, poor thing, maybe we should (laughs) probably bury it, or like, oh, it's dead, that's such a shame. Just fucking walks up to the nearest bin, you know, yeet! (laughs) Fucking dog's gone! (laughs) And he's just, he's like, oh, shit, that's right, you know, the sanitary crew isn't gonna like that. Everyone knows a dog is burnable trash. Oh, gosh, Danny, Dingle Dangle, put it in the wrong bin. Oh, I'm gonna get a fine from the council. Damn it, why did you not stop me? It throws her in the bin as well. <laughs> but fucking, it's, it's good stuff. And I mean, there is some weird shit here or there. Like there's two people that like eat out of a body bathtub. That's a bit weird. While Tamiya, who's another parasite, is just sitting across from them having a sandwich. Just being like, me and this asshole just had sex and guess what? Human baby! Well, they're human bodies. The parasites are only in the heads. Yeah. Like, the whole idea is that this specific group want to coexist with humans. Yeah, well, Tamiya herself is an intellectual and wants to study, and in doing so is also curious of whether or not parasites can survive as human. Yeah, and literally, Shimada seems to be on board until he fucking chugs paint thinner and gets a hair plucked from him. Then he's just like, nah, I'm done. No you. Yeah, no you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then fucking everyone else surrounding her is like, oh, this fucking crazy dumb parasite bitch. What is she talking? What are you talking about? Coexist? Coexist? We're just eating 50,000 of them out of this goddamn body bathtub we've got. You can't. No. <laughs> Mr. Arsel. Am I right? <laughs> That's it. Fucking, oh my god. Like, from the... I've never seen a character that just immediately emanates just... I'm just going to shit all over your future. Yeah. Pretty much. Just fucking tries to just immediately kill him. Gets fucking destroyed by a metal pipe. (laughs) And then pompous circumstance happens. Boom! I've got your mum, bro. It's like, oh no. Not only does he take over the mother's body, which would make you assume that he's left... Well, him in the head form has consumed the mother's head and replaced it. Yep. If that is the case... Why the hell is his original head in the bag? That's not how it works. <laughs> like, I, I like I get the feeling that's not how it works. That's not how it minute, works. The minute the horse dies, it sort of shrivels, like a parasite shrivels up and like turns into dust or whatever. Yeah. But with the way that that's seen, the only way that would make sense is if the original parasite worm thing can freely exit and enter a body once it's entered one. I can say um confidently that in the original series that weird egg looking thing that worm is a larvae oh, okay. so when the parasite enters the human host and consumes part of the body thus replacing it 
it matures and cannot revert. It's stated in the original that he cannot revert and just take over someone else. So that's why I reckon that they... Because I don't think they actually touched on no. anything remotely close to that in the film. They did not, no. So I reckon that that's what it is. I reckon for some reason, because that is the only way that scene would work without him like fully removing that guy's head and it just turning into dust and him like taking over the mum's head, is if for some reason, and only his parasite can freely exit and enter a body okay but riddle me this if that's the case then to become a head parasite it will need to consume the brain and the flesh of the head right so it can warp it and control it yeah in that case wouldn't the head vanish after the parasite who is now the head reverts himself back to a larvae form unless you're saying it's rebirthed and the old version dies because the mother does have a different head shifting pattern to Mr. A. Well, Mr. A policeman yeah. versus Mr. A mother. The policeman has a separate pattern. Yeah. Which means it's a different parasite. Oh, to be fair. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe yeah. it's going too deep because the movie itself might have just yeah. been for fun. Because I, I, I reckon that that's probably just it. I just don't think they thought about it. I think they just wanted an excuse for him to take yeah. over her but i i don't understand why it's in the shopping bag though that's that's a detail that just didn't need to be there just taking it with them yeah not only that i noticed a few other things with the mother as well in the final fight yeah when migi well not when migi actually it's the main character at this point isn't it with a sword right. arm that's it flipping so around it's when um shinichi is fighting his mother parasite who's mr a now mr a manages to trip up shinichi by mimicking the mother's voice yep and launches a surprise attack the mother's body automatically <laughs> repels the attack as if she still has some control. Yep. Now, that would lead one to suspect that when a parasite consumes a brain, the host brain at least, that the host brain is still inside the parasite in a dormant state and can still regain control and have these alien abilities. Yeah. Which is really weird. <laughs> yeah, just... Because your brain's gone, uh, the body doesn't have memory like that. Like, just fucking locking away their subconscious, and that's really all they do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But another thing is, as well, before the transformation, Migi said he must sleep for four hours, and cannot transform the arm back, you would assume, for those four hours. Because it's yeah. his arm, it's not Shinichi's, it's Migi's. Which means that when it cuts away, and Shinichi's standing over his mother's body, and the sword's vanishing and Migi's waking up, he was standing over his mother's corpse for four hours. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it was in broad daylight when they fought. And sure, it was an area that was made to appear as if it was hard to see into. But some of the camera angles from the outside clearly pointed inwards. Yeah. So at certain angles, you probably would have been able to see inside. And you're telling me, in an area that looks like it's probably visited by a lot of youths or yobbos, probably. in four hours... No one popped their head in? Nope, not single And saw one. man with blade arm? <laughs> right next to old woman headless. He still doesn't cry. No. He even mentions it. It's like, oh, back in the past and now, I'm not going to cry. And despite all that deep and thought-provoking stuff, he still manages to fucking dunk on all those poses in this basketball scene. Literally, yeah. Just fucking doesn't even look at it. He's just like, Puh! done. <laughs> His character change is clearly shown as well once he gets the Migi genes. And you uh, notice that the doctor's mother, who the doctor we haven't really talked about, but I think is 
the best acted character, even though they're sort of um, cold and they seem emotionless, that is meant to be the character. Yeah. Um, but the Doctor's parents notice that the Doctor isn't their real daughter. Yeah. The mother notices first and the father realises and they freak the heck out. Do you know? <laughs> it's established that loved ones can tell when something's up. Yeah. And that goes back to when um, Shinichi's lady friend says, are you sure you're the real Shinichi? And he doesn't really respond because that's during his phase of just, you know, blatantly disregarding everything everybody says. Well, he did just chuck a dog in a bin. That's right. And then he's, he's like, you know, I'm gonna just become a huge asshole and make a bow out of my arm to kill Shimada. And that comes out of nowhere. I mean, I thought it was okay. Like, it didn't need to exist. It was a way, it was a cool way to kill Shimada off. But at the same time, the only other time we saw a bow and arrow was just like at a club at school for like 30 seconds. Yeah. And Migi goes, why don't you join the archery club? And he's like, eh, I'm not into it. The movie seems to have a sort of a thing for steel pipes. Oh, yeah. Um, The first fight with Mr. A was canonical. That's how it happened with the steel pipe sort of making him bleed out and he pushes it through. But the second one where he makes the most impractical flesh bow with the worst CGI in the movie, if you ask me, some of the worst. Yeah. Just doesn't make sense. No. I'm sure it's an excusable change. Yeah. Because it is quite cool, in a way. In a way. In a way, but I prefer... I think the original was just him chucking a brick at the dude or something (laughs) (laughs) from that same distance away. And I think I preferred that. Uh, To be fair, that probably would have made... A little bit more sense instead of literally making like a reference to a scene probably nobody cared about from the beginning of the film. And if anyone saw the flesh bow, he would have been screwed, which is a problem because when he's on that rooftop talking to a nurse woman, science nurse, Tamiya, you can see cars in the background on an elevated road, like a highway or something, which means they could have seen him with his weird flesh bow. That's right. So he could have been caught out. If he had just thrown something using Miggy's power in his arm, he could have avoided any of that weird confusion. Not forgetting the fact that he talks to it in broad daylight. It does tell it yeah. to shut up, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, he really risks getting caught. Nobody gets to see that fucking tiny eyeball popping out of the collar. <laughs> no. Nobody sees that. It's invisible, that. Fucking stealth stat is 100% with Miggy. Can't detect him. But, like, overall, Parasite is just a good film. Some of the acting for some of the characters is just meh. There's scenes that don't make sense, but out of these two so far, it's okay, it's way more enjoyable than the first one. Yeah, I really enjoyed Parasite. I might have my qualms, and I've been comparing it to the original a lot, but I'm not going to let that affect my opinion too much. I do think no. Parasite is a decent film. It's, it could have been on the good. Yeah. It didn't quite make the cut, but it was close. Yeah. So I think on that note, we've probably said everything that we can about these films without going into way too much detail. So I think I'll just start off with my official final thoughts on Attack on Titan. So, honestly, Attack on Titan, it's a fucking, it's a mess. It doesn't make sense. The characters are barely developed. Even the ones that I said I liked, I liked them because of the acting, like the actions they did, not because they exist. Like, the fact that it does so much shit that panders to the fans, but also does so much shit that panders to general audiences, that the two clash very badly together. The fact that all they've done is just make up 
some like five people to be titans and even then it's just kind of jarring to look at honestly i don't think i'll be watching part two and i just think this is a really bad fucking film to be honest do you have any difference in opinion i do think it's a shit movie uh, <laughs> I did enjoy the changes to the world with like the World War II style apocalyptic world but at the same time as someone who went into Attack on Titan expecting Attack on Titan it was a bit of an unknown to me but in of itself as a movie it's just hilarious it's a joke it's got a weird mixture of CGI but it's the worst makeup effects and green screen I've ever seen in a movie <laughs> with most of the characters that people have come to know and love from the series either completely removed, merged into one, or replaced. And I haven't even touched on the fact that everyone's Japanese in, in this Attack on Titan movie, but that's not for now. <laughs> but it, it is a big old shitty movie, and I will probably not watch part two, unless we get people telling us we should. I will not personally be watching part two <laughs> for enjoyment. <laughs> if you all request it, we'll watch it. But willingly, we ain't participating in part two of that garbage. <laughs> With Parasite, honestly, I think it's just a good film, even if you don't know the source material. I feel like the general gist of the film is understandable. It's parasites that infect people and they eat humans. If you're into a lot of fucking really good viscera, gore, body parts... This film, out of the entire trilogy that we've done, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, this has the best in terms of like actual horror and gory details. The CGI is probably more goofy than I wanted it to, but I feel like they couldn't have done it more realistic without it just looking bad. Um, and apart from tightening up a few of the acting decisions, adding in some story bits that make the second half make more sense, I'd probably watch part two, if I'm honest. I'm in agreement. I will definitely want to watch part two. In fact, I can't wait to do it. I might watch it in my own time. <laughs> I think it's a very interesting adaption. They've made some changes I'm not happy with, but others fit. It does have pacing issues, and sometimes the lack of development of characters can make the film a little bit empty. Its uh, use of gore, practical effects, and CGI are far superior to Attack on Titan. And in fact, as we mentioned, the gore is far superior to many we've seen, if not all we've seen, at least recording this. There is some drunken camera work that is prominent throughout the movie that made me feel a bit sick, lacking in polish at times. But if you're a fan of Parasite, or you just enjoy body horror movies with an adorable sidekick, a horrible, adorable sidekick, <laughs> yeah. I'd say watch this movie. It's great fun. It's a good time. And that's the end of this week. And with that, our live-action anime trilogy, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, has come to an end. Join us next week as we will be comparing the first Avengers film with a Russian film called Guardians, which seems to be of a similar type. And as always, don't forget to follow us on Spotify to catch new episodes as they air. Send any feedback, comments, and any dumb shit to us at fruitballweekly at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fruitballweekly. You can also support us directly by going to anchor.fm forward slash fruitballweekly and feel free to leave a voice message for a chance to get featured in a future episode. Catch you next week. See you then. Whoop whoop.